tried to come up with a solution to fix this crazy person. He was full of the devil, full of demons. And all that had to happen was Jesus to show up. And the Bible says he fell at his feet in his right mind. Clothed, by the way, clothed. Man run around naked, clothed in his right mind. Now it's summertime. It's summertime. Now if y'all go around, run around half naked, that means you have crazy. Say amen. Let's remember, let's remember, let's remember. Please remember, it still says modest apparel, all right? Summertime means nothing. It means still act like God's people, amen. Well, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers. Can we give all the mothers a hand this morning? Amen. You really need a medal, not a hand, amen? Or a vacation, one or the other, amen? All right. That's a little too loud. Hallelujah, Mom, okay? <laughs> All right. Uh, I tell you, it's a lot of pressure when your mama's on the front row. Amen? Yeah. I ain't going to lie. Exodus chapter number 2. Man, I tell you what, I love being in God's house when God's in it. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, let's, let's do this. Let's read just a couple verses, and I'll let you be seated. And we're going to have a great day today. We're going to have a great day. Chapter 2, verse 1, if you found your spot, say Amen. And there went a man of the house of Levi and took to wife a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. And when she could not longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein. And she laid it in the flags by the the river's brink. So she basically put him in the, in the river. Keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. That's significant here in a minute. And his sister stood afar off to wit what would be done to him. This is Miriam. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river. And her maidens walked along by the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child. And behold, the babe wept. And she had compassion on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. Then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go to call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for thee? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said, excuse me, and Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me. And I will give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. And the child grew and she brought him into Pharaoh's daughter. And he became her son. And she called his name Moses. And she said, because I drew him out of the water. Father, Lord, thank you for your blessings today. Thank you for an unbelievable worship experience we've had already. Lord, thank you for your presence. Thank you for the truth that we can stand on and we can believe in and we can proclaim. Thank you for a great crowd this morning. I praise your holy name. And Lord, thank you for all our mamas. God, I praise you and I thank you and I give you all the glory for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 You may be seated. Before we get into the story... Before we get into the story, and I'll give you historical background to understand why a mama would put her baby in the river. Uh, we'll understand that in just a minute. I want to talk about moms just a minute. As a way of introduction, it is Mother's Day, uh, a day that is significant. And, uh, and, and Sidney J. Harris, Sidney J. Harris said this, 
He once said that the most common fallacy among women is that simply having children makes one a mother, which is as absurd as believing that having a piano makes one a musician. Say amen. In other words, there's people that gave birth that wasn't a mother, and there's ladies who never gave birth but was a great mother. Does that make sense? Several things about a mom I want you to understand. The labor of a mother. The labor of a mother. It is said by the time a child reaches 18, a mother has had to handle some extra 18,000 hours of child-generated work. Ladies, now you know why you're so tired. A young father was trying to explain the concept of marriage to his four-year-old daughter. He got out their wedding album and thinking a visual image would help, explained the entire wedding service to her. When he was finished, he asked if she had any questions. And so the little four-year-old pointed to the picture of the wedding party and said, Daddy, is this when Mommy came to work for us? (laughs) Oh, mercy. A teacher gave her class of second graders a lesson on the magnet. The magnet. Everybody knows what a magnet is, right? A magnet. And, uh, and, and this is what she said. She had, she had a quiz. The next day in a written test, she included this question. My full name has six letters. The first one is M. I pick up things. What am I? When the test papers were turned in, the teacher was astonished to find that 50% of the students answered with the question, Mother. Oh, God help our mamas. Amen. The labor of a mother. How about the, how about the love of a mother? The love of a mother. A teacher asked a boy this question. Suppose your mother baked a pie and there were seven of you, your parents and five children. What part of the pie would you get? A six, replied the little boy. And the teacher said, I'm afraid you don't know your fractions. And he said, well, I'm afraid you don't know my mama because she would say she don't want a piece. (laughs) Do I have a witness right there? Thank God for the love of mothers. And, and, And finally, how about the lessons of a mother? The lessons of my. How many of y'all had a mama who taught you some stuff? Did any of y'all have a mama? Now I know I don't think I remember my mom ever doing this, but I've heard my grandma doing this. My dad's mom, and 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 if she ever came across with the phrase, "I'm fixing to learn you something." Does anybody know what I'm referring to? Guess what? You learned something, amen. You learned not to do whatever you just did. I tell you that. But here's some lessons from a mother. My mother taught me logic by saying, if you fall off that swing and break your neck, you can't go to the store with me. (laughs) My mother taught me about medicine by saying, if you don't stop crossing your eyes, they're going to freeze that way. My mother taught me to think ahead by saying, if you don't pass your spelling test, you're never going to get a good job. My mother taught me about, I love this one, I'm sorry. My mother taught me about humor. She said, when that lawnmower cuts off your toes, don't come running to me. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, kill me, this is great. Don't come running to me. (laughs) Amen, I'm sorry. Let's get serious, people. Amen. My (laughs) mother... They don't, we can, they don't get no better than that one. I mean, that's just, 
My mother taught me how to become an adult by saying, if you don't eat your vegetables, you're never going to grow up. My mother taught me about genetics by saying, you're just like your father. I don't know what the point is. <clears throat> uh, and by the way, I heard that a lot. I did hear that a lot. My mother taught me about my roots by saying, do you think you were born in a barn? My mother taught me about the wisdom of age when she said, when you get my age, you'll understand. My mother taught me about anticipation by saying, you wait till your father gets home. <clears throat> My mother taught me about receiving by saying, you're going to get it when you get home. <laughs> and this is the all-time favorite, last one, an all-time favorite. My mother taught me about justice, justice by saying, one day you're going to have kids and I hope they turn out just like you. <laughs> and all God's people say it. Amen. It's amazing what you can learn from your mama. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Uh, listen, I want to I talk to you about a, an, an incredible mother in the Bible that you may not even recognize her name if I tell you. Her name is Jochebed. Jochebed. How many of y'all, when y'all heard of that word, you have no idea which mama I'm talking about? Come on, be honest. I don't, I don't have no idea. Uh, this is Moses' mama. Moses' mama, it's, it's, it's recorded in chapter number 6. If you'll go and read it, it gives kind of the lineage and the, and the, and the bloodline there and, and tells who his mom and dad is. And, and this, is, this is a story really to understand chapter number 2. Most of you do. If you've been in church any amount of time, you've heard the story of Moses and what's going on. But you've got to read chapter 1 to understand the significance of chapter 2. Now, I've got, I've got a whole outline to go with this, and Lord's willing, I'm going to try to give it to you. But really, there's one major point in this story. 5.30 yesterday, I got out of bed. I couldn't sleep. I was just thinking about this over and over and over. And God, God kind of gave me a little nugget that I want to share with you that's really the message. I could tell you it and, and go home, but I need to set the table. But I promise you, it is a truth that is huge and we need to understand. And we need to get I come. I just got out of bed, got dressed, come straight to my office and wrote it down in some notes so I wouldn't forget it. There is such a, an important truth to what we see in chapter number 2. But let's look at chapter number one a minute. Let's look. Let me just explain it to you to save time, okay? Here we find the nation of Israel. Uh, how many of y'all remember when Joseph came to Egypt and brought his family over with him because of the, the, the famine, right? Well, the, the Bible says that there were 70 of them. All together, 70 of them came and went from Canaan into Egypt to survive the famine. All right, that 70, after a few generations went by, that 70 turned into about 2 million people. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Well, for a while, for a while, the Egyptian people recognized Joseph and what he had done for the nation and how he had saved the nation, and they treated him well, but then people died. And now another Pharaoh has come forward and come to power and he did not recognize Joseph, he did not know Joseph, and he did not like the nation of Israel. They had become a powerful people. They had become a nation. They had multiplied greatly. What has happened? The blessings of God were upon them. What did he tell? He told Abraham, he said, You're going to, your seed is going to be as the stars of the heavens and as the sand on the seashore. I'm going to bless them that bless you and curse them that curse you. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. 
And so now we've got a, a leader, uh, we've got a, 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 a king, if you will, Pharaoh, who now he's got to stop them because they've well overpopulated and gotten greater than the Egyptian people. So it scared him. Said if the enemy comes, they're going to join the enemy and they're going to destroy us. We've got to do something about this. So what they did was turn them into slaves. And they began to make, put taskmasters over them and charge them with building their cities and building treasure cities and treasure places. And, and, and so the more they afflicted them and put them through rigor and, and hard toil and labor, you know what the Bible says? The more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. What does that mean? It means the Bible's true and what God will bless no matter what you go through. And so that didn't work. That didn't work. And so I tell you what, here's what we're going to do. We're going to get the midwives. We're going to get the midwives of the, of the Jewish people, the, the, the heads of the midwives, and we're going to command them to destroy the babies. If there is a male born of the babies, we're going to kill him. We're going to wipe this generation out. And so what they would do is they would try to keep all the females and then the females would have to marry Egyptian slaves. And, and here is the point. It's the devil trying to wipe out the Israeli nation. Yeah. Now that goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. Because God said the seed of the woman is going to destroy the devil one day. And that's talking about Jesus. And so this is the devil's plan to stop Jesus. And that's a whole other message we can talk about later. But either way... We know that the midwives didn't listen to Pharaoh. They did not obey Pharaoh. How many of y'all know it's better to obey God than man? And, and so that didn't work. That plan did not work. Okay? They multiplied. They kept multiplying. They kept growing. God kept blessing them. So the Pharaoh came up with another plan. The third plan in chapter 1 you'll read about. He said, well, i tell you what we're going to do. He said, I'm going to command all the Egyptians, all the Egyptian people, when you see a male child born, I want you to take him and throw him in the, in the river. I want you to take him and throw him in the river. <clears throat> no matter who it is, no matter where it is, when you see a male child born, you throw them in the, in the river. Okay? So the destination, now watch this now, stay with me. It, this is going to make a whole lot of sense in just a minute. The destination of every baby boy was the They were headed to the river. That's the end of chapter 1. Chapter 2, we find out about a birth of a baby boy. And we know this is Moses. But the Bible says some significant things about this. And I want to I share with you just a few points and give you, the, give you the message. Number one, I want you to see this mother's discernment. This mother's discernment. The Bible says, look, look what it says. I think it's in, in verse number, uh, let's go back to verse number two. Verse number two. When you get there, say amen. And the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. Now there's two things in this verse that you see. First, you see what she saw. What she saw, she saw that he was a goodly child, but then she hid him. Why did she hid him? Why did she hide him? Because of what we read in chapter number one. Now here's some discernment that we see. What, what is she discerning? And this is what 
man, I want to, and, and, and I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be mean, but I, I, but I, want, you to, I want you to get this message. It is real intense. It is, it is so important. She discerned the peril that her child was in. She discerned, she saw, she was aware, she understood that her baby was in danger. That's why she hit him. That's why she hit him. Now here's the thing, here's the thing. This is what I'm afraid that's taking place in our culture, in our day and in our time with good Christian people and good Christian families. Now I, I I I remember I remember when 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 I, I was growing up and we were there on McNeil Road, <clears throat> at McNeil Road there was a long there was a long concrete driveway coming out of our house up to up to the main road up to the highway, and uh, and me and my little brother we had bicycles, and 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 the rule was the rule was there was there was there was lines cut in. In that concrete, how many of y'all know what I'm talking about? For the, you know, I don't know what you call them. I guess it's just for for cracking or whatever. It's just, you know, is there a certain name for that, or is it just where they make the cuts? What, what is it? Expansion joints. That's it. Expansion joint. And uh, and every so so ten, twelve feet or whatever, there's expansion joint. So there's lines all the way. Well, there was a certain line that me and my brother was not allowed to cross. So if we got past that line, it was a little too close to the road, and, 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 and then we would learn about anticipation. <laughs> Are y'all with me? What, now why? Why? Why were they so concerned that we not get on that hard road? Because there was cars and semis running up and down that hard road 100 miles an hour. They discerned the danger. We couldn't. All we could see was a long, hard strip that would be great to be on with a bicycle. But they discern the danger. And then we tell them about, we tell them about drugs and we tell them about, about slow down in your cars, don't drive fast in the cars, don't be on your phone in the car, and don't be playing with the radio in the car, and don't be. And we discern all of that. But I'm afraid we're missing it. Because we tell them about every, every discernible danger we can think of in this world except the devil. And we forget that there is an enemy. We forget that there is an adversary. We forget that the devil is a roaring lion who roameth about seeking whom he may devour. And we will discern every danger but him. And watch this. Pharaoh, he's a type of Satan. Pharaoh is a king. The devil is the god of this world. He is the king of the culture. He is the king of society. He is the king of this world. Why do you think it's so wicked and evil? And watch this. He has an agenda. His agenda is to destroy the little babies. It is to destroy, listen, the, the future of a nation. And it is the devil's agenda. Why do you think abortion has exploded like it has? Why do you think that, listen, the devil is after our children. And we're sending them out in the world, not even realizing. She discerned the peril he was in. But then this is the second thing. This is really, really significant. The Bible says when she saw that he was a goodly child. Now, 
Two other verses describe the same situation. Now watch this. It, it, one in Hebrews, one in Hebrews, and one in Acts. <clears throat> the Bible says, goodly child in, in Exodus chapter 2. In Hebrews 11, it says, by faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child. Acts 7, 18, or verse 20 says this, in which time Moses was born and was exceeding fair and nourished up in his father's house three months. Now, now if you put those words together, uh, uh, you can say handsome, you can say, you know, a, a good looking kid, that type of thing. But basically it means favored, favored. Say that with me. What did they see in this child? They seen God's hand on him. And they discerned that this child had purpose. Purpose. And I'm not talking about hitting the ball out of the park. This kid was going to be used by God to do an incredible thing. He was the greatest pastor besides Jesus. I mean, this, there, there was nobody like Moses. He was an incredible man of God who was used to do an incredible thing. But they discerned purpose in his life. And I, I'm saying this on purpose. Pardon the pun. Do you see purpose in your kid? I mean, do you understand? Let me give you a verse. Let me give you a verse. The Bible says in Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. What that means is I've got a plan for your life. Do you as a parent, do you see in your child a divine purpose? A divine purpose. A God-given purpose. Are you looking for them to do something for God? Now, I'm, I, 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 listen, I'm, I, 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 I don't, he said, I want my kid to be a doctor. I want my kid to be a lawyer. I want my kid to be a physicist. Or I want my kid to be this. Or I want my, what you need to be saying is, I want my kid to be what God wants him to be. Amen. Can you see that? Can you see, are you discerning that this, that your child has favor on them? That God has a specific plan. By the way, by the way, if you don't, it's, it's very, very likely they never will. Listen, let's change this. I know this sounds good. Let's quit telling our kids you can be whatever you want to be. Let's quit telling that. Well, I don't like that. That's okay. That's okay. Here's what we need to be saying. You can be whatever God wants you to be. You know what? If I was what I if I if I was what I wanted to be, I wouldn't be here today. I'd be working with Shane Lee at the vet's office. <clears throat> I'm telling you. But you know what? God had a purpose. And God had a plan. And you know what I know now that I didn't know then? That his plan was better than mine. No offense, Shane. <clears throat> no offense. I still like dogs and animals and cows and everything, but when I saw y'all cut the horns off that cow, I about died. Amen. I'm, I'm not no vet. I'm telling you that right now. I'm not no vet. I can't imagine myself doing anything else. 
But if you want your kid to see that God has a purpose for them, you got to see God has a purpose for them. Now, why is that so important? Because of the next thing you see. The next thing you see. First, we see her discernment. The second thing we see is her faith. See, this is my point. What she discerned in her kid determined the action she took for him. Now, put on your seatbelts. This is going to get a little rocky. It's going to get a little rocky, but I'm, I'm telling you, this is a message. God gave me a, this is not a sermon. God woke me up and told me what to tell you. Okay, I'm telling you this is a message. Because of what she saw in her kid, she made a choice and a decision on how to treat him. So what did she do? Instead of being obedient to the government, and instead of allowing the culture just to be whatever it was and and take over, and by the way, it doesn't take a village to raise a kid. It takes godly parents. Are y'all with me? The culture can do whatever it wants to do, but the parents has a choice in the matter. And so she hid him, and then she made an ark. She made an ark. The Bible specifically says in Hebrews about her faith. Now, what did her faith do? Let me give you these two things just so you can have your outline, and then let's talk about it, okay? Because here's here's the message. Her faith influenced her behavior. Her faith influenced her behavior. It influenced what she did with her child. And by the way, it will with yours too. It will with how you treat them, how you teach them, how you reach them. It will Listen, your faith will determine what you make important to them. Your faith will determine your priorities with them. Your faith will determine whether hobbies and ball is more important than God and the house of God. Now watch. Her faith influenced her behavior, how she treated and how she raised this kid. Then the Bible says this, it not only influenced her behavior, but it strengthened her resolve. The Bible says in Hebrews eleven twenty three, by faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months in his, of his parents because they saw he was a proper child. Watch this. And they were not afraid of the king's commandments. There's something about faith that will give you courage. It'll give you courage. Now, now, here's the message. Here's what I woke up early yesterday morning thinking about. Faith influenced what she did. Her faith influenced what she did for her kid. And I'm telling you, wall to wall, front to back, it will influence how you raise your children. Now, watch what happens. Watch what happens. According to chapter 1, according to chapter 1, the destination of all the male children, they were headed to the... Come on, everybody. They were headed to the... Now watch this. Eventually and ultimately, Moses ended up in the... 
Are y'all getting it yet? Think about this. All the male children ended up in the... And ultimately, Moses ended up in the... But what was different? He had a mama that equipped him to survive where she knew he would eventually end up anyway. She made an ark. Mamas and parents in here, the river is a type of the world, the dangerous world. How many of y'all know there's crocodiles in the river? How many of y'all know there's big snakes in the river? How many of y'all know there's danger in the river? How many of y'all know when your kid leaves your door, they're headed to the river? They're going to eventually end up in this world. They cannot be under your feet forever. They cannot be under your roof forever. One day they're going to spread their wings and fly and they're headed to the river. Are you equipping them to survive in the river? Moses eventually ended up where all the other little boys ended up. But all the other little boys died because their mother did not equip them to survive. But because of her faith, she said, you're going to the river anyway. But I'm going to make sure when you get there, you're going to make it. Now, here's, here's what's going to get rocking. Guys, I promise you this. Don't take me wrong in this. I'm not trying to get on to anybody. I'm seeing a terrible, terrible atrocity in the Christian church and Christian parents. A dangerous, dangerous, dangerous thing that we're doing. We are equipping our kids to throw a football. We're equipping our kids to hit a softball. We're equipping our kids how to do this and how to do that. Dance and ballet and, and, and fishing and everything you can imagine. But we're not equipping our kids to survive in the river. Let me tell you something. There is no person in this room that loves to watch their kid play sports as good as I do. None. Zero. I love it. I love it. I love watching it. I wish Kenzie could dunk and rip the backboard down. Because I'd be on the court saying, in your face, amen. I love it. Man, when they would hit a, I, 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 you know, I tried to act dignified, and I do, and in, in, in most of the time, act dignified at, at, at everything. But, but one, one time, Jordan, when she was little, was playing softball, and, and man, they was kind of raising Cain, and, 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 and I, I said to the coach there, I said, "Hey, it's, all, it's just a game, guys. It's just a game." Well, the next inning, Jordan comes up, and I'm on like on the third row of the bleacher, right behind the backstop, and she hit it out deep left field. And man, I'm telling you what, I don't know how I did it. To this day, I don't know how I did it. I mean, I did a Spider-Man move, come off the third bleacher, and all four on the gate saying, run! (laughs) And the coach come out of the dugout. He'll be in the second service. There's your brother. He said, preacher, it's just a game. (laughs) But here's my point. I love all that stuff. I love it. 
I played baseball. And I played football. Played golf when I got in high school. Dad wasn't much for that. <laughs> but you know what? I'm trying to remember the last baseball game I played. And I'm trying to remember the last football game I played. And for the life of me, I can't remember. But you know what? You know who I'm going to face when I get up in the morning? It's been a long time since I threw a football. But I face the devil every day. It's been a long time since I threw a baseball. But I face temptation every day. It's been a long time since I was on the field. But I face depression every day. Listen, it is a sad, sad, sad case of events when we have parents that will drive across the state to go to a ball game but won't drive across town to bring your kid to Wednesday night training. You're throwing them to the crocodiles. And I promise you, I'm not supposed, I'm supposed to be nice on Mother's Day, and I'm trying. I'm trying. But we got kids. Listen, here's the thing. So I'm offended. Well, does this offend you more? Does this offend you more? That 80%, the number has climbed, 80% of the kids that are raised in church, by the time they go off to college, they leave church and God and never return. That offends me. I'm not talking about kids out in the world. I'm talking about kids that grow up in the pew. Well, I tell you what, our churches need to get better. No, that's not the deal. Brother Andrew, you said a powerful, powerful thing the other day, and I don't even know if they got it. We cannot at church out-preach and out-teach what you do at home for five days a week. Did I say that right? Listen, the kids that leave and the kids that stay are determined by how much church you take home with you. Are you building an ark? How many of y'all have ever heard that phrase, ready or not? Do you know what? Ready or not, one day those kids are going to the river. They're leaving your influence. They're leaving your house. They're leaving your guidance. Are you equipping them to survive in the river? Are you equipping them? Do they know how to be saved? Could they go to their Bible and find out how to be saved without calling you or the preacher? Do they, do they know how to deal with temptation? Do the, do the little young men in your lives, your, your sons or your grandsons, do they know how to fight off that woman who flatters with the lips, as the Bible says in the book of Proverbs? 
Maybe if we trained them a little better, they would understand that that is leading to death. I need to leave her alone and go home. And vice versa. This epidemic is not just men, it's women doing it too. Do they know? Do they know how to deal with the devil when he comes and tells them they're no good? When he comes and tells them they have no purpose? That when he comes and tells them and tries to destroy them, are they strengthened? Do they have the ability? Do they have the resolve? Do they have the knowledge to know how to fight the devil? Because one day their ball career is going to end, but they're going to face him every day. Every day. Every day the devil's in my face. Every day he's tempted me. Every day he tells me how low down and sorry I am. Every day he tells me I'm not going to make it. Every single day. Every day. And we are so focused. And we are so driven to equip them for something that's going to end one day. And they're drowning in the river. You know what I want to do? I want to be an ark builder. You know what I want to do? I want to be a teacher of ark builders. Because one day I want your little boy to take over for me and teach my little grandchildren and great-grandchildren if they ever get here. I'm praying, sending charts and graphs, nothing's working. I don't know. I guess I'm about to fast. I don't really know. Do you understand? We're going to die. I found out in Jack's this morning I was a year older than I thought I was. I mean, it's one day that time's flying by, but when you go to losing years, man. Who's going to take over? I'm sorry I quote country songs all the time, but who's going to fill their shoes? One day Jalen ain't going to be able to sing. Which one of your sons is going to fall in and be mentored by him so he can take the banner and keep flying? I tell you, it won't be if we don't build an ark. If we don't equip them to survive. But it takes courage. It takes faith to buck the the stream. We don't want to be weird. We all want to be popular. We all want our kids to be like every other kid and have what every other kid has. But there comes a time when we have to be courageous and stand in faith and say, we're not going to let happen to you what's happening to all the rest of them. Just because everybody else is doing it, that don't mean you need to. And, and by the way, this is my favorite part. You will be rewarded. Because your kid will make it. Y'all know the story? This is like great. She puts him in the river after she equipped him to survive. And then she sent somebody to watch after him. Big sis. Big sis is standing keeping watch, and she sees what happens. Now Pharaoh's daughter is holding Moses, and so big sis is a quick thinker. 
she runs up and says, hey, you're going to need somebody to nurse that little fella. And, and you want me to go find somebody? Why, yes, I do. Matter of fact, when you find her, you just tell her I'm going to pay for it. Not only did Moses make it. Do you understand how awesome God is? She paid for it. I, I remember a story. I remember a story of a, of a widow lady that would pray on her front porch. She was very poor and, 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 and had such difficulty in her life and she would pray and believed in God and had faith. But her neighbor was an atheist. Hated God, hated anything to be with God, didn't believe in God, hated anybody who thought there was a God. And he'd get so aggravated because he'd sit on his porch and hear her prayers. So one day as she was praying and needed some food, she prayed and prayed and said, Oh God, would you send some groceries? So, Lord, I don't have enough food. Would you give me some? So he, he and his, he's conniving a plan. He's mischievous, and he said, I'm going to show her. He went to the grocery store, and I'm talking about loaded down with food, five or six grocery bags full of food, and put it on her front porch, hit the doorbell, and ran and hid in the bushes. And watch. And she come out, and she seen all them groceries. She said, Woo, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for providing some groceries. Thank you, Lord. And he popped out the bushes. Said, see, see, I told you, you crazy woman, I told you there was no God. I bought them groceries. And she said, thank you, Jesus. Not only did you give me groceries, you made the devil pay for it. have courage if you would just have faith and don't read me wrong man let them kids play I remember I remember there was a man by the name of Brother Hollowell if I remember this right every other preacher in our circle would say tell daddy oh, them boys don't need to play ball that's worldly that's ungodly and Brother Hollowell he, he talked you into letting us play greatest day I, man it was great we get to play ball now I love let them play teach them to play play with them have a big time but don't miss out on equipping them to fight the devil too don't miss out on making God more important let them know how fun it is to play. Let them know how great it is to be in sports and learn discipline through all that stuff. But let them know God is first. God is a priority. God is important because they're going to need God every day. Every day. Let's be art builders. God will reward you. Listen, buck the system. Buck the culture. Be different. Stand out. Because I promise you this. I hate saying it like this. But I promise you this. When my mom and dad sit right there and they watch me up here 
they're glad they made a choice. I'm going to tell this story and we're going to pray. I was playing baseball. And I was starting second base in high school. And it come a, it come a, a Wednesday night, and they already knew, they already knew Dad's stand on church. And on the bus on a Tuesday night game, I, I made sure the coach remembered, listen, I, I, I've got to be in church tomorrow night. And he tells me, he says, you need to get your priorities right. That's what he said. Now, I was more spiritual than I thought I was at that time. I really was. And I'm not trying to be, I, I'm, I thought to myself, Bubba, I got him right. Well, the following game, after the Wednesday, I was benched. And it's all good. Here we go. Needless to say, needless to say, that was the last high school game of my career. He said, oh, that's terrible. You missed out. I think I'm doing okay. I think I'm doing okay. You say, why is that? Why is that? Because there's other guys that took my spot. They don't even know God today. They're not even in church. Some of them are dead. Some of them were killed and, 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 and drug situations gone bad. People I went to high school with, played ball with. But you know what? I'm preaching the gospel every week. Ladies and gentlemen, I promise you this. You will never go wrong teaching your children that God is first. Make him a priority. Can we give God praise and glory? Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much for all